I'm writing a very much tell don't show version of the story. Then he goes here and then, you know, so-and-so is interacting with so-and-so on this basis. And this sets into motion these particular events, which as they happen in this order, this happens and this happens. And the motivation of this character is this. It's like that. This is Taylor Stevens, the New York Times bestselling and award-winning author of the kick-ass Vanessa Michael Monroe thrillers, and this is The Taylor Stevens Show, together with my good friend Steve Campbell, where we are kicking writing in the butt one word at a time. Taylor, we're getting closer and closer to summer, and I know that when I was a young person, I used to count down the days until school was out. I know that you have young people living in your house. Are they counting down the days? I imagine that they are, and I am so not. <laughs> it, it, it is, you know, even if, if the house is completely quiet because, you know, they're occupied by something else, there's still the clickities and the steps and the, you know, cupboard doors opening, and all of that is so distracting, and it's so hard for me to write. I much prefer when the house is empty. So, yeah, this is going to be fun. Summer's always a fun time. Does their schedule completely change? Is it like, like we had boys. And for boys, the minute school's out, they sleep until noon every day. I think that's pretty universal. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> See, I was being sexist there. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, you know, I've got one that sleeps more than the other, but it, generally speaking, the nights get really long and the mornings go really late. Today's topic is writing a synopsis, or essentially, who should write a synopsis and why should we write a synopsis? And should we write a synopsis if we're not required to write a synopsis? And, of course, we'll start with, what the heck is a synopsis? <laughs> well, you know, actually, I don't know. Um, <laughs> All right. There's, that there's, was a, that's another that was quick easy, show right? for us. Uh, and we didn't a... really kick anything in the butt this week. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's the outline and there's a synopsis. And I tend to use those two interchangeably, but they both have specific meanings. And I just get them all mixed up. So, you know, forgive me here. But generally speaking... Um, in the publishing industry, once you've been under contract with a uh, with publisher, they they have an option on most almost all contracts call for an option on your next book. And so, when you written when you get that contract the first time, you'll have had, with very rare exceptions, you'll have submitted an entire novel or whatever it is that you wrote, and based on that, you'll get your contract. But once you have that option clause in your contracts, at that point, you no longer have to submit a full book before they decide if they want it or not. And that's where the synopsis comes into play. So what is a synopsis? Probably, depending on who's defining it, it is an outline of uh, basically a, an idea, your, the idea for the next book in, in a very short format. All right. Now, I had a, a different educational experience in life than you did. Yes, and for sure. <laughs> in, in my educational experience, we were taught how to do an outline. And that okay. involves numbers and letters and capital letters and small letters and Roman numerals and all this stuff. And it just gives me a headache to even think about it. So whenever, I, whenever someone mentions the word outline, my brain starts to fuzz over. Okay. And I don't want to understand it. Is that what you're talking about when you use the term outline? 
Uh, no, um, I think the only time like an outline like that would come into play is if somebody's writing a nonfiction proposal, um, which in the world of publishing, nonfiction and fiction is very different. Like you can't really sell a novel without having written the whole thing unless you're already under contract and you have that option clause. But nonfiction proposals generally can be sold just as a proposal. And that's where you see all those chapters and numbers and headings because you're you're basically outlining the entire book as it would look like with in a nonfiction book, you know, with all the subheadings and, and, mm -hmm. and what's going to go in them and, and everything like that. But for me, an outline is really just telling the story as it is. I don't break it down chapter by chapter. I think some authors might break it down chapter by chapter. I, it it will probably depend on what the editor actually wants to see. Um, my agent has told me that some of her synopses are for her authors are like two paragraphs long, and that's it. Like, this is the idea for the next book. Wow. Um, and someone actually gives you a contract based on not, that? Because even me. I could write a good two paragraphs. The way contracts are written, just because you have a contract doesn't mean they're going to give you all the money. You know, they'll give you a little bit for signing the contract, but you're not going to get paid the next one until you've actually delivered a book. So, um, but yeah, that's, that's how some people have done it. Um, mine have always been a lot more detailed and a lot more thorough. I've been told that they don't have to be that thorough, that mine are a little bit of an anomaly, but I'm doing it for myself as well as for, uh, for the editor, because I want to understand the story. I don't want to, I'm terrified to say, here's two, two paragraphs for this idea that I'm going to write because I, I got nothing, you know, at that point, mm -hmm. I'm like, I still got to figure this whole thing out. Um, so I do my outlines for myself to really understand the story and the plot and how the characters interact with each other. And um, so my outlines could be, you know, five, 10 pages long, uh, sometimes longer. And many cases, not always, but in many cases, they want to see um, a certain number of chapters, like give us the opening chapters, or they might say, let us see a chapter in the voice of all of the main characters so that they, we can see what point of view we're talking about. So it kind of depends from situation to situation what is going to be expected of you. And, you you know, you're just going to do your best to fulfill those expectations. All right. So because you, you mentioned the, the chapters in the voice that the, the story is going to be written in, that implies that you're not using that voice when you write the synopsis. Um, correct. Well, at least in my particular case, I'm writing um, a very much tell don't show version of the story. Then he goes here, and then you know so and so is interacting with so on so and so on this basis, and this sets into motion these particular events, which, as they happen in this order, this happens, then this happens, and the motivation of this character is this. It's like that. So it, it's almost as though you're sitting down across the table from a trusted friend and telling them what the next book's going to be about. Exactly. Okay. All right. And then, so you combine that then with uh, a certain number of chapters. And, and just pick a number. What's, what's the right number of chapters? Um, I don't even go by chapters. I go by words. Okay. Maybe five, 10,000 words to begin with. Um, but if it's going to be a particularly hard sell, if it's a new idea, if it's any, they might want to see a quarter of the book. Okay. And what do you call this package uh, with the synopsis and the 10,000 words? Uh, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, I don't know. Uh, the, the proposal? All right. So then you send the proposal to your agent and your agent 
does something magical with it. They, she sends it out to the editors that she thinks it would be a good fit for. Well, no, that's see this type of thing. You're only going to submit toward to editors that you're already working with. Okay, that is for the option. So what the agent's going to do, at least my agent, she's going to look over it and go, mm, you know, I still see some plot holes here. Maybe you can explain this a little better so that it's not as murky. And um, here you you kind of wasted some powerful points by just skipping over this. Could you fill that in a little bit more? And she's not asking for me to write the chapters. She's just saying, fill it in so there's, you know, uh, it's a little clearer in the minds of whoever's going to be reading it. And where I often get that is I've gone through a lot of editors. And so within the same publishing house. And so if you're switching from editor one to editor two, maybe editor two isn't as familiar with your work, doesn't really understand, you know, what you've done as well. So she's trying to make it so that there's no reason for them to go, uh, no, I don't really like this. All right. We just finished a series on developing your ideas. And in that series, we talked a bit about some of the different ideas that you have under development, either in your own mind or you've, you've written some words, but you know, some, some work has been done. As a part of developing an idea, would you actually write a synopsis for your own benefit yeah, I do now. And that, like, I get that question a lot um, when I'm at writers' conferences and stuff. Mm -hmm. And that, what they're asking is, do you outline or do you just, you know, Wing. go by the seat of your pants? Mm -hmm. And uh, with the information is I didn't know what I was doing, so I did it by the seat of my pants. But now um, I do outline every book. And so that outline is me telling the story to myself. So it makes it real easy to submit that material then too, uh, you know, if somebody wants to know what it's about because I've already done it for myself. And... I have to do that for these types of books because they are very convoluted. And if I don't know how they all fit together, it makes it much, much harder during the actual writing process to be able to pull it off in a way that doesn't feel contrived or um, implausible. So it's for my benefit that I do the outline at first, and then it comes in handy when it's time to, to turn that material in. All right. Now, let me tell you a – you probably never read Superman – comic books when you're growing up. Do you, do you know what Bizarro World is? No, only in a vague sort of sense. All right. Bizarro World is like the opposite of the real world. So this is a Bizarro World way of writing a synopsis. As, as, as we've discussed a couple times on this show, I'm in the middle of, of trying to fix a novel. And I read through it. I could see some things were missing, and I started just going in and writing new scenes, and I thought, this is crazy because I'm going to finish this, and I'm going to be in the same position. So I used the Bizarro World technique of writing the novel first and then writing the synopsis and then comparing the synopsis to what I'd written to sort of clip out the scenes that I needed to write that would actually make sense for the complete story. Is that, like, crazy? I think that's an awesome way to fix story problems um, because when you have 100,000 words, I mean, it's so easy to get lost. It's just so much. And so to, to tell yourself that story, even if you did it backwards, it's like you've given yourself a little bit of a map to follow. And, and I think that was really smart. Unfortunately, the map is telling me I need to get rid of this. And, you know, a lot of the words that I've written – uh, don't fit with the story, but the story will be a lot stronger. So it's it's sort of a blessing and a curse kind of thing. But when I just started going in and piecing in new scenes, 
it just, for whatever reason, wasn't working for me. And I, I know we're going to do a show at some point because we have a user question about this, the idea of how you write or how we should write. There are some people that, that just write non-sequentially. They might write the ending and then the beginning and then one chapter in the middle and then you know a scene at a, a baseball diamond or something. Um, and that's what it felt like to me because I have all this stuff and I'm wedging in fixes and it just, it wasn't working. Um, I, I, like I said, I think the way that you figured out how to solve that, get, building yourself a map was probably the smartest thing you could do. And that's why I outline now because it's so much easier if you've done it at the beginning mm -hmm. to then write the book more or less following the outline, and it doesn't always stay exactly the same, but you sort of have that guideline, that map, you know where the story is supposed to go, and you see all the plot holes in the beginning, and you get all that sorted out ahead of time, and it's, I, I, I there's nothing hardly that kills me worse than having to cut out 20,000 words that I did not need to write in the first place. I just, that's such a waste of time and energy and frustration. Oh my God. So to not have to go through that, that's why I write the outlines. All right. Did you, we've talked about the quote unquote YA novel uh, multiple times on the show. And is that something that you wrote a synopsis for prior to, or an outline prior to beginning the writing process? Um, yes and no. Because I was working with an idea that somebody else had given me and, and had said, you know, what about this? And I was like, well, t give, give me more, you know, t tell me more about where you're going with that and I'll see if I can do something with it. And um, so in that sense, there was a little bit of an outline. But the problem with working with somebody else's outline, especially when they don't do this for a living, is there's a lot of fluff. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't. And then you're like, well, do I want to mess with their stuff because some of it's really good? And so um, it actually made it harder than if I had just done it myself from the beginning. But I just didn't have the time or the mental energy to deal with it because I was working on other stuff at the same time. So I thought I was shortcutting by letting somebody else, mm -hmm. you know, give me a sort of outline. And in the end, it turned into be twice as much work. So I guess that's the lesson here today is a lot of times these shortcuts uh, add, add a lot of work. At least that's been the case for me. I love people that can just sit down and pound out a story and it all flows and it's, it's like magic, but that's not us apparently. I know. I, I envy them so much. It, oh, yes. I, I, that, that, I, I imagine it would be really amazing to have that talent of just being able to tell a story, just have it flow, or even people who write serially. Because when you write a serial, you're publishing as you go, and you don't have a chance to go back and fix stuff. That, that just terrifies me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that, that would be both really fun because you're, you're able to actually publish things. And as, as we've talked before, the, the life of a writer is such that you spend sometimes a year working on something before someone gives you a, a cookie. And says, good job. Right. And so it would be nice to get that cookie on a weekly basis instead of a monthly basis. But you're right. Once it's, once it's out there, it's out there. Yeah. It's, it's a t I, I just I, – I have so much respect for authors who can do that. Their, their brains just must, must be just so powerful. <laughs> I don't know. They must really be kicking their writing in the butt one word at a time. But we're kicking writing in the butt our way here on The Taylor Stevens Show. There you go. <laughs> I got it in. You got it in. That's good. What's our call to action this week, Taylor? I've been doing them. Come on, it's your turn. Oh, wow. Okay. 
Here, yeah, how do you like them apples? <laughs> here, is, here is what I would like. I would like your biggest writing challenge, whatever it is, write it out in a paragraph or two and send it to Taylor. Because otherwise Steve's going to have to use his. And, you know. and I keep using them, and it's, it's mortifying to just have to keep airing my own dirty laundry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is. It is nice when I say I did this, and you don't say that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. That's like me getting a cookie. There you go. And it, there is no stupid. You know, it's, it's all a learning experience. There's no one right way of doing it. And there's what works for you. And it's, it's a learning process. It's definitely a learning process. All right. So that wraps up this week's show. We will be back again next week with another thrilling and exciting and informative show. Thank you so much for listening, guys. Be with you next week.